What do I define about growing up? You know what I'm saying? Like feeling better, living better, better location. What he failed to tell you was when you're on my time, I can reclaim it. I, he left that out, so I'm reclaiming my time. Please, you respond. Are you kidding me? Who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for um everybody black. Betting on black tonight. I'm sorry for the realness. Hey everybody, it's Whitney from WhitneyDanielle.com and NetworkAndSpill.com. And I wanted to do something different this month. I wanted to put together something that I have never done before and share something that I thought would be really, really, really fun. And you may or may not know this, but April was National Poetry Month. And I'm not super, super into poetry, but I've always loved it. I've always loved poems. I've always loved reading them and reciting them and just being in the space when other people are too. I love slam poetry. I love poetry events, open mic nights. It just makes me so happy. And I think there's a lot that, you know, we benefit from hearing other people's stories and, and the the visuals that we get from some of these words and, and sentences, right? It's just, it's crazy how poetry is just so powerful. And it's, it's such a slept on medium, I feel. But I've talked about this before on the show, but I really enjoy hearing and, and I love seeing people express themselves. And I think right now in the time that we're at, dealing with what we've been dealing with, a lot of emotions, some of them good, some of them bad, most of them kind of like all over the place, a lot of anxiety, a lot of unsure and uncertainty. And those unsure thoughts and those unsure feelings and emotions, it, it, it takes a toll on us. And I think in the past, right, for millennia, for decades, I don't know, for however long poems have been in, in the works, people have expressed themselves. And I think it's really important to do so. And I've tried to encourage you all, and I'll continue to do that, to express yourself however it seems fit. You don't have to be a you know Nobel Peace Prize runner for anything. You don't have to have won any awards. You don't have to have any accolades or any specific fancy background to express yourself in whatever way you choose. So maybe this will inspire you to write, to journal, write a poem, maybe think of some thoughts and, and jot them down or recite your own. Um, I know some of these poems are written by the, the person reading them. And that's pretty cool. I actually have a guest who's going to be reading a poem here who is an actual poet. She's got books. So definitely, definitely wanted to do something fun this month and just shake things up. And so I have a number of my colleagues and friends who I invited to read their favorite poem or a poem that speaks to what's going on right now in the world. And they've all done that. And it's such an interesting compilation because all of these authors and, and poets are so different. And what they're saying is, is so diverse. And so I'm really, really pumped for you to hear. I'm going to read a poem, a short, super short one right here. And then I'm going to read one at the end to close things out. Definitely make sure you check out the show notes because in the show notes, I will have each person who read a poem listed. And I'll have their poem name, where you can find it, and where you can find them potentially on social media. So definitely check the show notes for more information. I think some of these, obviously a lot of these authors, I think a lot of them you'll resonate with. And if you like something, research it, dig deeper, find some more work by this person, and see if there's anything else that inspires you. Even if you don't write, or you don't recite, or you don't come up with some beautiful creation from this, I hope that it makes you feel something. And whatever that something is, it's okay. Because right now, a lot of us are feeling all kinds of feelings, and we just are looking for something that's really comforting, you know? Some days we have good days, some days we have bad days, some days we have off days, we're anxious. We're going through it right now. So let's lean on each other, and let's do our best to show up, to create, to support one another, and to get through it. 
So I'm going to read a poem by Audre Lorde, who obviously we all love. If you're in the literary space or you love Black women writers and and just activists. I mean, she's just an incredible person. And I fell in love with her because the Free Black Women's Library of LA love her so much. And I was like, why are you guys so obsessed with Audre Lorde? And they were like, girl. And then they peeped me. I was like, okay, I get it. And so now I'm really into learning more about her. And it's funny, I went to a conference November 2019, and they actually had somebody did a seminar there about her. And I was like, of course I have to go. And uh, it was really interesting. And she's got so many different pieces of work out there. And this is a super, super short poem, like incredibly short poem. It's called Coping. And I chose it because, well, for starters, it talks about the weather, which if you know me, you know I struggle with the no sunshine deal. And being on the East Coast, it's always difficult for me, especially during the winter and spring months, sometimes the fall too, because it it can be dark for days at a time. And I just don't do well with that. And I enjoy and I thrive off of the sunshine and it motivates me. It affects my mood, my productivity, everything. And it's been, you know, it's spring and then weather has been up and down. The temperature has been up and down and all we can do is, is, is our best. So I wanted to, to have this poem speak to the weather. And of course, there's a lot of other things that you'll hear in this poem. That If you really sit and think about it, or you go to the website and you Google it, you'll be like, yeah, I understand why she chose this. This, this right now absolutely makes sense. So without further ado, I'm going to read Coping by Audre Lorde. It has rained for five days. Running. The world is a round puddle of sunless water where small islands are only beginning to cope. A young boy in my garden is bailing out water from this flower patch. When I ask him why, he tells me, young seeds that have not seen sun forget and drown easily. (sighs) That's a good one definitely a good one. So thank you for listening. I've got a lot more in store this episode for a number of you. You'll see some maybe familiar voices some familiar faces and names, and um, you'll also hear some new people. So thank you for tuning in. Check out all the people listed in the show notes. And at the end, I will close out with another poem. Hey there, my name is Effa Akuteka, and today I'm going to be reading Caged Bird by Maya Angelou and Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe in celebration of National Poetry Month. On top of being objectively one of the best poets of all time, I really love the way that Maya Angelou uses beautiful imagery to talk about really tragic topics, and this poem really is a great illustration of that. The older I get, the more I understand the dichotomy between the caged bird and the free bird and how they interact in real-world scenarios. So, for your pleasure, here is Caged Bird by Maya Angelou. A free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends and dips his wing in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still, and his tune is heard on the distant hill, for the cage bird sings of freedom. The free bird thinks of another breeze, and the trade winds soft through the sighing trees, and the fat worms waiting on a dawn-bright lawn, and he names the sky his own. 
But a caged bird stands on the grave of dreams. His shadow shouts on a nightmare scream. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied. So he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still. And his tune is heard on the distant hill for the caged bird sings of freedom. So like I said, the older I get, the more I relate to this poem the more I understand that it's talking about inequality and the privileges that the free bird has. The things that the free bird thinks about are things that the caged bird can only dream about. And the things that the caged bird thinks about are things that the free bird has no idea are even going on. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. And I know that we all feel like caged birds right now, but just remember that someday we hopefully will all be free. I remember being in middle or high school, and we went to see Edgar Allan Poe's most famous works performed by a group of local theater actors. They did all the biggest hits, you know, The Raven, Telltale Heart, etc. But they also did this little poem called Annabelle Lee that I didn't remember going over in class before we went to see the show. It really struck me as a beautiful love story, even though it's so tragic in the end. But I think that everybody sort of hopes to find a love in their life that is so great that it makes the angels jealous. So for your pleasure today, in celebration of National Poetry Month, I would like to read to you guys the poem that inspired my endless quest for the perfect love. This is Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe. It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabelle Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabelle Lee. With a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud chilling my beautiful Annabelle Lee so that her high-born kinsman came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulcher in this kingdom by the sea. The angels, not so half-happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But our love was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we. And neither the angels in heaven above, nor the demons down under the sea, can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so all the night tide, I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life, and my bride, in her sepulcher there by the sea, in her tomb. By the sounding sea. So even though the poem has an overall sadness to it and a definitely a sad ending, I still love the way that the narrator talks about this lost love. And to be honest, I still hope that I have a love story like that someday where when my partner passes, all I can think is, man, heaven must have been really jealous of what we had together. Once again, my name is Zafa Akuteka, and I hope that you enjoyed my reading of Caged Bird by Maya Angelou. And thank you guys for listening to my reading of Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to follow me on social media, you can find me on Instagram and now TikTok at A-Y-E underscore E-F-F-I-E. That's at A underscore F-E.
Thanks, guys. Bye. My name is Carrie Myers Taylor, and this is my poem, A Matter of Gray. I wrote this poem just weeks after 9-11. I was 25 at that time, and I was studying at NYU and also working full-time. And the aftermath of that particular time in the history of the U.S. is so similar to what we are experiencing right now with the pandemic of COVID-19 here in 2020. So I wanted to do a poem to kind of remember the similarities and hope, and I hope that we won't handle things in quite the same way. This is a matter of gray. Questions have come to visit me. A life led carelessly is hard to organize, prioritize, reschedule, pencil in again. I spent those first days looking for clues, conducting my own investigation, unraveling global maps gone dusty to find the jagged colored section with which to drop my rage. I placed a pushpin there, like people do, when they have visited a place or hope to, as if I had strolled there, eaten there, learned the local slang and bargained for souvenirs. I imagine myself preparing to return back home to the U.S., designer luggage in tow, hands waving, eyes smiling to the countrymen as a silver box cutter sliced its way down the center of my back. It is true, I think, what they say about time healing all wounds. So I try to take it Tuesday by Tuesday. That Tuesday being the first time I stopped to remember Tuesdays at all loose in the streets of glossy-eyed, traumatized Manhattan, armed with only the hope that I will have some compassion, something left when our wrath creeps its way across the Atlantic. I hope that I will not turn a blind and propagandized eye to whatever happens in whatever way it happens to whomever it happens to when it all comes falling down. I can only hope because it is too fresh, this wound. So hideously scarred am I. Are we, what I eat, what I wear, what I say, matter little and less with each passing day. Nothing left here is soft or distinctly me. I have traded that in for American fury. I have traded it all for the images on TV. And I will not see my real self anytime soon. But if I promise them, the people, the ghosts who walk my bedroom at night, riddled with the anguish of premature death, if I promise them it will not have been in vain, 
If I assure them, all will be sacrificed so that they may wander avenged. If I swear to them, I've learned, I get it, I understand now. My days are numbered, have always been numbered. And with this knowledge, each hour will become a bittersweet instant if I show them, maybe this litany of questions will cease or rather I will just cease to ask them because there are small gifts here left under the tree if we dig down deep enough to find them they are here golden and precious if only a few no one is wrong and no one is right it is and always will be a matter of gray now the trivial fights the petty concerns seem strangely dreamlike to me as I take it slow Tuesday by Tuesday vowing to stop and treasure this day until my last one is spent and I'm called to join those who have already gone Hello, my name is Arshalita Chisholm from Los Angeles, California. I'm a poet and author of three poetry books. The first poem that I'm going to read for you today is entitled Discovery of a Brown Beauty, and it is written by me and featured in my latest book, Six Cents. The reflection in the bathwater always revealed the chocolate hue of my skin. Water beaded upon it like drops of dew on sycamore leaves. The water wouldn't take responsibility for cleansing my imputed charge. It pretended to care by rinsing the dirt away. As a child, I questioned why God didn't leave a red bone in. I didn't understand the history that covered my fledgling bones. I would rub my hands across my body and pretend to be anyone else. Each day, I wanted to tell a fairer story of my skin. It was not my choice for the drop of deeper earth, the overspill of melanin, the unknowing truth. In seclusion, my arms were raised in surrender, and it was a sensitivity that caused my retreat. A feeling that my brown skin was not good enough, accepting enough, or beautiful enough. I submerged my body in the water. No sound, just sunlight from the window. And a baptism that would open my soul and bless my brown sugar. I slowly lifted myself out of the porcelain tub, weary after the journey that took place. My skin felt like a newborn baby's. And I, in the stillness of fogged mirrors and pulled down shades, thought. My brown skin was not a cross to bear, but a gift that I was already worthy of. This poem, Discovery of a Brown Beauty, I wrote it as an illustration of Finally, discovering the beauty that we have inside that's been there all along. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we only see the outside and, you know, we're notorious for finding things that's wrong with us. 
but this poem really reflects the beauty that's on the inside, something that we need to take time to find out. And it sort of speaks to the climate right now. You know, we all have that time. We have time to take more care of ourselves and to really look inside to figure out the beauty that's there. The next poem is Mothers by Nikki Giovanni. The last time I was home to see my mother, we kissed, exchanged pleasantries and unpleasantries, pulled a warm, comforting silence around us and read separate books. I remember the first time I consciously saw her. We were living in a three-room apartment on Burns Avenue. Mommy always sat in the dark. I don't know how I knew that, but she did. That night, I stumbled into the kitchen, maybe because I've always been a night person or perhaps because I had wet the bed. She was sitting on a chair. The room was bathed in moonlight diffused through those thousands of panes landlords who rented to people with children were prone to put in windows. She may have been smoking, but maybe not. Her hair was three-quarters her height, which made me a strong believer in the Samson myth and very black. I'm sure I just hung there by the door. I remember thinking, what a beautiful lady. She was very deliberately waiting, perhaps for my father to come home from his night job or maybe for a dream that had promised to come by here. She said, I'll teach you a poem. I see the moon, the moon sees me. God bless the moon and God bless me. I taught it to my son who recited it for her. Just to say, we must learn to bear the pleasures as we, as we have borne the pains. This poem really describes the little things that she remembers about her mother, passing down to her son what her mother taught her. And what really sticks out for me is it's the moment when you see your mother for the first time. You really see her as a person. And I think that now we're discovering that we're all being quarantined at home and children are actually seeing their mother for the first time as a real person and not just mom. She lives, she breathes, she's doing things that they probably never get to see her do because they're at school all day. And that's something to behold. That's something that you carry with you all the time. The most fondest memories that we have about our mother, the woman who raised us, is seeing her outside of herself. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. The next poem, A Woman Speaks by Audre Lorde. Moon marked and touched by sun. My magic is unwritten, but when the sea turns back, it will leave my shape behind. I seek no favor 
untouched by blood, unrelenting as the curse of love, permanent as my errors or my pride. I do not mix love with pity, nor hate with scorn. And if you would know me, look into the entrails of Uranus where the restless oceans pound. I do not dwell within my birth, nor my divinities, who am ageless and half-grown and still seeking my sisters, witches in Dahomey, wear me inside their coiled claws as our mother did mourning. I have been woman for a long time. Beware my smile. I am treacherous with old magic and the noon's new fury with all your wide futures promised. I am woman and not white. This poem starts off very peaceful, but then it progresses into a conflict and it focuses on the inconsistencies in which Black women are viewed and their own battle to define who they are outside of what society thinks. So it's about owning your truth. It's about understanding who you are as a woman and standing firm in that and owning your truth. And it's not pointing the finger at anyone else. It's not blaming others. It's taking responsibility for everything you say, everything you do, and owning who you are as a woman. This poem is called Mental Health by Ursa Daly Ward. If you're walking down an aisle with a dim fluorescent hue, by the tinned fish and canned beans, strip lighting above, cracked titles beneath with the realization that most things are futile and get the sudden urge to end it all. Don't stop. Call a friend. Call your mother if you have one. And if you can stand her, listen to her talk about the price of canned fish and tinned beans. Call the speaking clock. Know that whatever time it says is the time that everything has to change. Leave the damn aisle. Don't go anywhere where they sell sweets, chips, booze, fast love, or lottery tickets. See that just outside there are people-lined streets that are emptier than yours inside. Skies darker than your own. Look for yourself because it never helps to hear from anyone else. If you are on one of those running around town like mad people, People who jump from tall buildings, buildings with glass fronts and not enough air. If you are failing to X a broken story, if you've been cooped up for far too long in a very high tower in a dangerously low state. Plenty of TV channels and TV dinners. Plenty of biscuits, chocolate desserts, cake and plenty of wine, but no love for miles and miles. If you did not get up for work today, if it has been afternoon for hours and the silence is keeping you awake, if you only remember how to draw your breath in and out like waves of thick tar cooling, if you are wishing it later, pulling the sun down with your prayers, leave the damn bed, wash the damn walls, crack open a window even in the rain, even in the snow. 
Listen to the church bells outside. Know that however many times they chime is the number of changes you have to make. Stop trying to die. Serve your time here. Do your time. Clean out the fridge. Throw away the soya milk. Soya milk is made from children's tears. Put flowers on the table. Stand them in a measuring jug. Chop raw vegetables if you have them. Know that if you are hungry for something, but you can't think what you are, more than often than not, only love thirsty, only bored. When the blood in your body is weary to flow, when your bones are heavy, though hollow, if you have made it past 30, celebrate, and if you haven't yet, rejoice. Know that there is a time coming in your life when dirt settles and the patterns form a picture. If you dream of the city, but you live in the country, milk the damn cows, sell the damn sheep. Know that they will be wishing you well, posing for pictures on milk cartons or running over lush hills to be counted at the beginning of somebody else's dream. See, they never held you back. It was you, only you. This poem really speaks about the times that we're in that we need to focus on our mental health, that we need to take that time for self-care, regardless of what that looks like, because it's going to look different for everybody. And this poem is just realizing where you are and accepting that it's okay. And whatever it is that you need to do to get there, to that place of peace, then that's what you do. My name is Corinne Smoose. I am a speech-language pathologist and children's musician from Washington, D.C. I chose the poem Sully, 16 Months by C.K. Williams because I believe that there's nothing more poetic than the nonverbal and preverbal dance that children do with us to learn that they are safe, that they are loved, and that they are seen. And this poem captures that feeling in that moment between an adult and a child asking to be seen and then being seen. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Sully, 16 Months by C.K. Williams. One more thing to keep. My second grandson, just pre-speech, tripping on a toy, skidding, bumping, yowl, and tears. Real tears coursing down his cheeks until Jessie, cooing, lifts and holds him to her, so it's over. But as they're leaving for home, he and I, alone a moment, in the room where he fell, he flops down again to show me. Look how it came to pass, this terrible thing, trilling syllables for me, no words yet, but notes with hurt in them and cries, and that greater cry that lurks just behind, right here, he's saying, on this spot precisely, here it happened. And yes, I answer, yes. And so have the chance to lift him too, to hold him light and lithe against me too. Hey guys, my name is Tira Johnson, and I chose the poem I'm going to read today because with everything going on right now, I feel like everyone is at a more level playing field, right? And when you're not, for me at least, when I'm not sucked into social media or checking my email, 
I have time to really just think. Like I haven't had time like this to just sit with my thoughts <laughs> in so long. I have nowhere to be. I ain't got no emails to check. Like I'm not trying to meet a deadline. And when I have this time, I've discovered that I have this ability to like reconnect with myself and like root deeper into who I am and really use that to the best of my abilities. So I just want to read this piece. It's by Rupi Kaior. It's in her second book called The Sun and Her Flowers. Um, And here we go. The middle place is strange. The part between them and the next is an awakening from how you saw to how you will see. This is where their charm wears off, where they are no longer the god you made them out to be. When the pedestal you carved out of your bone and teeth no longer serves them, they are unmasked and made mortal again. The middle place. Hello, everyone. My name is Acacia Olson, and I will be reading the poem Desiderata. I chose this poem because it is such a beautiful reminder of being present, being reflective, being grateful in the midst of all the haste, or even as we slow down in our world today, it is just a beautiful reminder to sit with and and highlight what all is going well, um, to not allow ourselves to be uh, encumbered by the heaviness of the world where, whether we're in the middle of a pandemic or in, in the middle of rush hour. I first learned of this poem several years back by an old friend of mine. And when I read it and sat with it, I just knew this would resonate with me for a long, very long time. And it still does. Every so often, it'll drop into my mind. I'll hearken back to it. And so for that reason, I've chosen to read it here for you, for your listening pleasure. Desiderata. Go placidly amid the noise and the haste and remember what peace there is in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even to the dull and the ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexatious to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, You may become vain or bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere, life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune. But do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. 
Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be, and whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. And that was written in 1927 by Max Ehrman. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that this helps you and touched you in a wonderful way. Again, my name is Acacia of the website Rhymes with Acacia, and I thank you for tuning in and enjoy your day. Hi. I'm Bosar, and my poem of choice is I Happened to Be Standing by Mary Oliver. Mary is one of my favorite poets, and that's because she makes poetry accessible. She has a way with words, and with, especially with simple words, and she just finds a way to transcend them into something magical. And I chose this poem especially because it's not one of my favorite poems, but it's a poem in this time that we're in that is really important right now it's the poem is mainly about being present and about observing your surrounding and allowing things to just be as it is you can question things but allowing them to be as they are there's beauty in that and i believe this poem speaks to me in that way and hopefully you find it valuable useful and hopefully it's an addition to your life and you can go ahead and search more of mary oliver's poetry and go crazy (laughs) so here is i happened to be standing by mary oliver i don't know where prayers go or what they do do cats pray while they sleep half asleep in the sun does the opossum pray as it crosses the street the sunflowers The old black oak growing older every year. I know I can walk through the world along the shore or under the trees with my mind filled with things of little importance and full self-attendance. A condition I can't really call being alive. Is a prayer a gift or a petition or does it matter? The sunflowers blaze. Maybe that's their way. Maybe the cats are sound asleep. Maybe not. While I was thinking this, I happened to be standing just outside my door with my notebook open, which is the way I begin every morning. Then a wren and the privet began to sing. He was positively drenched in enthusiasm. I don't know why, and yet, why not? I wouldn't persuade you from whatever you believe or whatever you don't. That's your business. But I thought of the wren singing, what could this be if it isn't a prayer? So I just listened, my pen in the air. Thank you for listening. That was so amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you to every single person that read a poem, that participated in this. I really appreciate you guys. You guys are incredible. Some of you recorded your audio clips multiple times so that it was perfect and the audio sounded amazing. So thank you guys for your time and effort. You turned this around so fast. I'm so happy. 
And as I promised, I'm going to close out with a poem. But before I do, I wanted to just say a couple of things. First, don't forget, everybody that spoke today and, and read something is in the show notes. And... I have a special surprise. If you go to the show notes, there's actually a bonus poem by one of my dear friends who's who was unable to record a an actual poem this week because again the turnaround time was pretty small. And um, but it's hers. It's an original poem written by her. Her name is Angie, and I wanted to still feature her. So if you go into the show notes, you will find her poem there. Definitely check it out. Now, if there was a poem that you love that has been helping you in life, maybe right now or just in general, that you feel like should have been included, definitely hit me up on the gram at Whitney Danielle Co. underscore or at Network and Spill. And let me know. I want to hear it. If you have an original work that you've done, a poem that you've written at some point in time, maybe recently, that you think people would get some value from, hit me up. Let me know. Um, I'd love to share that on my feed and keep the conversation going. I think National Poetry Month doesn't have to just end, right? We're doing this at the very end of April, and um, a new month is right around the corner. So let's continue to look to the arts, to look to each other for inspiration and for help. And that love and tenderness that we probably need a little bit more these days. Now, the poem that I'm going to read is called A Poem of Friendship by Nikki Giovanni. And I chose this for obvious reasons. Obviously, one, Nikki Giovanni is amazing. And two, I talk about friendship a lot, right? I'm on social media. I love connecting. I love making new friends and making new connections. And it's just something that has been a passion for me for a long time. And I know if you have a friend that's a poet or that's into the arts that you could share this with, I'm sure they'll find value. So definitely do that. And also, you know, be open to making new friends during this season. I feel like a lot of times we feel shut in because we technically are, um, but things are going to change. And I want all of us to come out of this with feelings of hope and of connectedness and of community, which you guys know I talk a lot about and I believe a lot in. So thank you guys for being here and for being part of my community. Now, without further ado, I am going to read a poem of friendship. We are not lovers because of the love we make, but the love we have. We are not friends because of the laughs we spend, but the tears we save. I don't want to be near you for the thoughts we share, but the words we never have to speak. I will never miss you because of what we do, but what we are together. <sighs> Nikki Giovanni is amazing. Audrey Lord is amazing. This is just so much fun, and I really appreciate you guys for being here. So I'm going to close this out, but make sure you come back next week for a brand new episode of Network and Spill. I appreciate you. Share, subscribe, make sure you rate and review, and stay tuned because I'm going to be doing some new stuff in May on both of my IG accounts. So check the show notes, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.